an editor a long time ago told me, don't ever have the moon in the wrong part of the sky. And that's important. And I notice when I read other people's works, often a man will have something blooming at the wrong time because he never has been out in the garden. He doesn't think it matters. He just names some flowers. Well, that destroys something for me when I read it. And I try not to make these mistakes. I, I'm, you can't always know that you've made a mistake. But I do believe in action. And not only that, but I just am a natural observer. And to me, the detail tells everything. One detail can tell more than any descriptive passage. Eudora Welty was one of the South's most beloved writers, and her fiction today is a study in detail and dialogue and wit. Her settings were often Southern, but her themes were universal. The Mississippi writer won multiple awards in her lifetime, including a Pulitzer in 1973 for her novel, The Optimist's Daughter. She passed away in 2001. This recording of hers from 1977. It's a 16-millimeter film directed and shot by folklorist Bill Ferris. The footage is included as a part of Bill's recent book, The Storied South, which is a collection of interviews with iconic writers and artists. I'm Tanner Latham, and this is Authentic South. It's a storytelling podcast that explores Southern culture through food, art, music, the land, the literature, and the characters who define our region. I first featured Bill Ferris in episode 10, and we talked extensively about his 40-year career and how the South has perfected the art of storytelling. If you haven't already, go back and take a listen. Bill is a master storyteller. Every word of his is so measured and, and perfect. Today he tells us about his close friendship with Eudora Welty. Eudora I knew from the time I was a child, not well, but when I was a very young child, she and several of her friends came to the farm where I grew up to do uh, sketches, watercolors, and picnic. And I had no idea who they were, but after they left, my mother said, now one of those people is a famous writer that one day you'll know uh, the name of. And so later in college, I invited her to be our Book of the Year speaker at Davidson College. And to my amazement and even more amazement on the part of the faculty, she came and they said, why did you come? And she said, well, I knew Bill's parents and grandparents and I just felt I had to come. And that was a very Eudora-like thing to say. And so over the years, when I would come home, I would call Eudora and say, Eudora, I'm here and would love to come see you. And she'd say, fine. And we would get together, sometimes for lunch or dinner. And towards the end of her life, her hearing was not as good as it had been. And I called one day and I said, Eudora, I'm coming over on Saturday. I wondered if you would be able to get together. And she said, oh, that's lovely. What time would you like to come? And I said, would 
10.30 be all right? And she said, did you say 7.30? And I spoke more loudly. I said, no, I said 10.30. She said, oh, good. For a moment there, I thought you were testing our friendship. And, you know, that was Eudora at her very best wit. And you you never knew when and where it was going to be coming, but her conversation was such a rich treasure. And I always felt privileged and recharged after spending an hour or two with her and leaving her home with the sense that so much had happened, but you couldn't possibly remember it all. And But these interviews do capture, and uh, there's also some film that I did of Eudora talking about literature with her old friend Cleoth Brooks and reading a passage from her most famous piece, Why I Live at the P.O. Papa Daddy, she says, he was trying to cut up his meat. Papa Daddy, I was taken completely by surprise. Papa Daddy's about a million years old has got this long, long beard. Papa Daddy, sister says she fails to understand why you don't cut off your beard. So Papa Daddy lays down his knife and fork. He's real rich. Mama says he is. He says he isn't. So he says, have I heard correctly? You don't understand why I don't cut off my beard? Why, I says, Papa Daddy, of course I understand. I did not say any such of a thing, the idea. He says, Huzzy. I says, Papa Daddy, you know I wouldn't anymore want you to cut off your beard than the man in the moon. It was the farthest thing from my mind. Stella Rondo sat there and made that up while she was eating breast of chicken. But he said, so the postmistress fails to understand why I don't cut off my beard, which job I got you through my influence with the government. Bird's nest, is that what you call it? Not that it isn't the next to smallest P.O. in the entire state of Mississippi. I says, oh, Papa Daddy, I says, I didn't say any such a thing. I never dreamed it was a bird's nest. I've always been grateful, though this is the next to smallest P.O. in the state of Mississippi. And I do not enjoy being referred to as a hussy by my own grandfather. Estella Rondo says, yes, you did say it, too. Anybody in the world could have heard you that had ears. All of which captures this extraordinary woman, her wit and sheer intelligence that uh, was really dazzling. She understood and embraced the everyday commonplace, would go shopping for groceries at the local Jitney Jungle in her old car, but she also would meet with the Academy of Arts and Letters and could write in the most uh, commanding way about the history of literature. Uh, She really was unique, and I felt so privileged to know her and to know the circle of friendships that she had with Robert Penn Warren and uh, Cleoth Brooks, who first published her short stories when they founded the Southern Review at LSU, uh, and with all the others in this book. I knew most of them less well than Eudora, but 
those relationships were important. And Eudora co-edited a book of friendships about the history of literary friendships, going back to the earliest uh, literary worlds of the Greeks and the Romans and coming to the present. The only one she left out was hers, and those were deep, lifelong friendships. And she would go to the end of the world to help a friend, and I was blessed to be counted among her friends. I would love for you to describe describe the scene for this photograph that's the cover of your book. It, it's one of... It, it's such a, a compelling photograph of, of Eudora driving. And I don't know if this is the old car that you were talking about earlier, but it's, it's, it's a wonderful, beautiful moment where she seems like she's telling a story or talking about, I'm not sure what she's talking about, but you, you catch her in that, in that point where she is driving, but she's also intent in conversation with you or with whomever is in the car. Can you talk about this photograph? Yes, with photography, I shoot a lot, and you often don't know what you've got in the camera until you get back and see it processed, and I didn't think of this as a photograph when I took it that would have great significance, but as it turns out, it's probably one of the most important photographs I took of Eudora. It's part of a series of her driving. And she is telling a story. She's totally relaxed and comfortable, not because of me, but because of her oldest and best friend, Charlotte Capers, who is sitting in the back seat. And we have just been to lunch at the Mayflower Restaurant in downtown Jackson, an old Greek restaurant that has wonderful salads and seafood. And Eudora was a fixture there, and the waitress would come over and say to her, what'll you have, honey? Uh, Treat her just like anyone else. So we had had lunch there, and we were driving back to her home. And she and Charlotte were just telling stories, reminiscing about people and places. And so I just pulled out my camera and started shooting Eudora driving as she was having this wonderful conversation with Charlotte Capers. And once Robert Penn Warren visited Eudora and she had an amazing evening in her home And Charlotte Capers came. Eudora served dinner. And Warren remembered it. He talks about it in this book. And he said, Charlotte Capers is the most amazing storyteller I've ever known. He says, Northerners can't tell stories. They tell gossip. But the South is where the real stories are told. And Eudora remembered the evening. And in this book talks about it and says that she told Mississippi stories about legendary politicians like Ross Barnett. Charlotte told stories from her uh, roots in Tennessee. And Eudora said Red laughed so hard she thought he was going to fall out of his chair. Well, 
when you got Charlotte Capers and Eudora together, the stories flowed. They were, it was nonstop because they knew these stories. They knew the people and there was, the segues were flawless. And that's what's happening in this picture. Is It's a moment in time in this great river of storytelling that Eudora was sharing with Charlotte. And out of that river, she would dip the worlds that she captured in her fiction. Bill Ferris's book, The Storied South, is published by UNC Press, and you can find it wherever books are sold. To see some of Bill's photography, including that photograph of Eudora while she's driving, click on over to AuthenticSouth.com. You'll find all the other episodes there as well, from a Hungarian-born blues man stuck in the sprawl of metro Atlanta to a couple of gourmet chefs at an eating disorder clinic in rural Alabama to... Knoxville, Tennessee's Raining Miss Biscuit. They're all there. You can also hear us at WFAE.org on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and Public Radio Exchange. As always, the theme music is by Chris Hoke and Brett Eastell. Until we go south again, thanks for listening.